Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves postcast, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm live with Tyler Metcalf from Canis Hoopus. We're talking Wolves Grizzlies. We'll break it all down here next. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Lockdown Wolves postcast, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves postcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. I'm here with Tyler Metcalf from Kata Supis. We're breaking down Wolves Grizzlies. And uh, this was one of those, uh, you know, games that the Wolves, I, I mean, I don't know, there's there's things on both sides of it, right? Uh, you know, second night of a back-to-back, the Grizzlies, I think, are are better, even given all their injuries. It's a well-coached team, a, a top 10 defense, a good team. Yet still, it was one of those sluggish Timberwolves games for two and a half-ish quarters, um, some issues late third, early fourth quarter, too. And eventually, they end up winning, kind of going away. But obviously, this thing was pretty close throughout. Uh, what are your immediate takeaways from this one, Tyler? Um, it it kind of felt like a team just kind of going through the motions for a, a lot of the game until they realized, hey, we're really talented and the best team in the West. Let's just put this game away. And then once they kind of put their mind to it and paid attention to the little things and started executing uh, consistently on both ends of the floor. That's exactly what they did. They just kind of ran away with this down the stretch because they, everyone kind of stepped up, started performing their role and they weren't just leaning on one guy per quarter like they did for the first three quarters. Yeah, it was, um, it was weird. I mean, like it was such a slow start to the game, (laughs) excuse me, for Minnesota and, um, you know, tons of turnovers early. They had, I don't I, I know they had 10 turnovers by the midway point of the second quarter. I think like six of them were in the first quarter. Um, Nas Reed, of course, gives a jolt off the bench late first quarter. The Wolves were down. I think they were doubled up. I think it was 24-12. Nas comes in, hits a couple of threes, um, you know, hits a tough layup in the lane, gets the crowd into it. It's tied at the end of the first quarter. Sloppy quarter is extremely messy, or, or the second quarter is extremely sloppy. They have 10 turnovers midway through the quarter. Um, a lot of you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., I think he had 21 points by halftime. Um, I thought the most fun thing about this game is, of course, of course, no Desmond Bain, obviously no John Morant. Um, this was this was kind of the Jaron Jackson Jr. show, uh, you know, with with kind of cameos by Luke Kennard along the way. But like this was Jaron Jackson Jr. taking it to Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And obviously there's something to uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. being the reigning defensive player of the year, wanting to take it to Rudy, a multi-time defensive player of the year award winner. But I thought that was kind of a fun, you know, side plot to the whole thing. And really, Jaron Jackson was the reason that this game was so close for so long and the fact and, and the reason why the Grizzlies were winning at halftime. I mean, he was incredible tonight and just absolutely could not miss. I mean, ended with with 36 points, 65% from the floor, 50% from three couple poster dunks on Rudy. Um, I mean, it was a really, really fun matchup and that's, you know, part of the intrigue. And, you know, here's one of the main reasons why this game was a nationally televised game to begin with. Obviously. So is John Moran. And obviously so is the, you know, kind of pseudo rivalry from the playoff matchup uh, two years ago, but he showed out, he carried his, his load, you know, he, carried his responsibilities and then some, he really raised the efforts and the overall play of this entire team he probably should have fouled out there down the stretch when Rudy had that tip dunk and he grabbed Rudy's arm. Um, But, you know, again, he kind of got into that same 
pitfalls of getting in foul trouble where he had to sit a lot of that second half and the way he was playing, if he gets his fouls under control, if he, um, you know, kind of reigns that in and doesn't have to sit for really extended minutes, you know, Wolves fans are familiar with that with Jaden McDaniels. This is obviously something to a whole nother level that we can, you know, hopefully Jaden gets to, but if Jaron's not in foul trouble, is he going for 50 tonight? Is he kind of single-handedly willing this Grizzlies team to a win? It's kind of hard to say no, but he did get in foul trouble. And the thing about that is that that's not uncharacteristic with him because he's been doing it his entire career. Yeah, watching Jaron Jackson Jr., like uh, it's it's similar to Carl Anthony Towns and Jaden McDaniels where it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where, yeah. where those guys are they are foul prone because they do foul a lot, like for real, but then it's like the officials are anticipating foul calls. Opponents are hunting it. And so with all of those guys, and, and it's, it's like, it's like looking in a mirror with, with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. And Carl Anthony Towns, obviously Jaron Jackson being a, a far superior defensive player, but the way he's officiated, uh, that's why I say it's kind of a cross between McDaniels and Towns. Cause obviously Jaden's an elite defensive player, but the way that he's officiated it, you know, a couple of those were fairly ticky tack and he wasn't getting whistles on the other end as much. And, and it was very much like watching the Timberwolves. Um, the way he was officiated, picked up his fourth foul, then picked up his fifth foul early in the fourth quarter. Both of those are huge moments. Um, the Wolves actually didn't take great advantage of it in, in the third quarter. Now, uh, saying that, of course, they were losing by five at halftime. So obviously Memphis was actually outplaying Minnesota when Jaron Jackson was on the floor until that point. But he picked up his fifth or excuse me, his fourth foul a little over two minutes into the third quarter. The Wolves were up by five or excuse me, down by five. And then at the end of the quarter, exact same margin they were a net zero in the third quarter with jaron jackson jr off the floor and that was with that ant flurry and the the crazy uh self lup had uh in the third quarter but they um the wolves didn't quite take as much advantage of that as you would like to think that they would and i felt like the defense overall in this game you know and we'll talk about the offense and i do want to get to ant but the defense overall for minnesota I thought it was sloppy and not great in the first the first part of the game. But then as the game wore on, I think Memphis just started hitting some tough shots. I mean, like, um, you know, Kennard hit some shots in the third quarter. I thought the interior defense overall for Minnesota was better. Um, and then it was just like, wait a minute. You know, the Grizzlies are a well-coached team. A lot of these guys have been on good teams the last couple of years. I mean, obviously, there's there's younger guys mixed in. But, you know, there's, there's some of these guys that, you know, they know what they're doing. Taylor Jenkins knows what he's doing. And uh, I thought the Grizzlies were certainly a worthy opponent, even as the Wolves started playing better as the game wore on. Yeah, and their, their point of attack, the defense in particular, um, especially in the first half, was really, really bad. And what I mean by that is obviously the on-ball defender just kept constantly giving up really, really easy drives, uh, whether it's out of the pick and roll or just isolation. And that the the issues with that is that it leads to really easy kickouts or dump off passes because the help side and weak side defenders have to rotate. They they have to take away easy shots at the rim, which they did, but then that frees up guys like Jaron Jackson sitting in the corner or, you know, pick and popping at the top of the key and Anthony Edwards is sitting on the opposite wing, not rotating over and leaving him wide open. And with a guy like Jaron Jackson, whether he's hot like he was tonight or just normal he's normally a pretty good shooter you, you have to make that rotation similarly you know you let guys like Luke Kennard get a couple easy ones get in that rhythm now when Nikhil's flying at him and has a hand in his face it's he's already in that rhythm he's knocking that shot down anyways and he's going five of seven from three and getting up to 18 points which is just an absurd stat line um you know especially for him he's an awesome shooter but Luke Kennard should not be putting up 18 against you. So 
it was that that really kind of shaky point of attack defense where they were causing putting themselves a step behind forcing everyone else on the defense to kind of rotate and cover cover for them and then even when they missed those threes were resulting in long rebounds that the scrambling defense couldn't get to in time so now memphis is getting a second and third chance at it too so late third quarter fourth quarter all of that really picked up there like you said their interior defense especially rudy was awesome all night i know he got put on a couple posters but handful of those were right after he had just blocked the shot um you know they didn't credit him with a steal i think he should have easily had at least one maybe two on there uh felt it, it felt a little harsh by by the scorekeepers but i i thought he was tremendous tonight um on the interior and then Jaden. Uh, his point of attack defense really tightened up late, um, especially that one possession on Roddy where he really shut him down and just destroyed that entire Memphis possession. Yeah, I thought um, I thought down the stretch in the fourth quarter, uh, the defense overall, I mean, there was that kind of flurry where the Wolves, it was like right after they briefly took the lead, or not briefly, I, I guess when they took the lead for good. Um, and there was kind of, you know, there was a timeout and then the crowd got really into it and the defense was, it was just you know, like watching this Wolves defense for the vast majority of the season to this point, not just the like third quarter. It was like the interior defense got better. Rudy was great. They were starting to contain a little bit, but then fourth quarter, it was like, all right, now they're not getting dri dribble penetration. Like we're actually extending the defense beyond the, you know, beyond the three point line and, and Jaden and Alexander Walker and Conley and guys were getting into guys on the Grizzlies and actually forcing the ball out of, out of guys hands and, um, you know, forcing them to difficult shots. And that was adding that layer on top of what Rudy was al already doing. It was really only Jaron Jackson Jr. and then that flurry of threes from Luke Kennard, and nobody else could do anything for uh, for the Grizzlies. Aldama was the only other player that had more than ten points, and he looked like he was seeing ghosts all night after Rudy had that initial block on him, and and you know kind of sets up the two of him afterwards early in the game. Uh, but after that, it was like Aldama was was you know he got up fourteen shots, but he only scored thirteen points. So I thought like fourth quarter. And, and this is like, this is typical. I mean, just kind of like a, a PSA. I don't want to like tell people how to root for a team, but like good teams, this happens. Like yeah. you, you aren't going to have your A game for four quarters every night, especially in the second night of a back-to-back -back after traveling a late start, the whole thing. It's not really excuses. It's just reality. I mean, they still ended up winning this thing by 15 points. Um, and it would have been great if either in Detroit or in this game, they could have gotten guys a little bit more rest and not had to play, you know, Rudy, what, like 38 minutes in Detroit and 39 minutes in Mem against Memphis. And maybe it, hopefully it doesn't catch up to them too much down the stretch this season. But, um, you know, there's plenty of examples. I always like to, you know, if people have heard me say this on lockdown wolves, like the golden state warriors, when they lost nine games and won 73, they lost to the Timberwolves that year. Like teams lose to bad teams. Good teams lose to bad teams all the time. And I thought this is a pretty good example of the Wolves, like getting it together and not just like squeaking out a win, but like decisively putting their foot down in the fourth quarter, being a plus 20 in the fourth quarter, holding Memphis to 17 points in the final frame and saying, you know what? We are the better team. And even though you guys are put up a great fight, like we're going to put you guys away here down the stretch. Yeah, it was just another example of their kind of growing maturity. Um you know, and we see that in guys like Ant, but that's where the kind of spillover effect of having guys like Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert um, on this team kind of comes to fruition. And that this is really where it shines because, um, you know, in, in the TNT postgame interview, they asked Ant like, hey, what 
happened? What fl- switch flipped uh, between the first half where you were non-existent and the second half where you completely took over and looked like a superstar? Um, and, you know, he's flat out said that he came out flat and wasn't ready to play. And, you know, even referenced Kyle Anderson getting on him in the locker room, telling him he looked like a scrub. So it, it's that kind of leadership, that kind of mentality. And then obviously you, ha- you have to have the raw talent like Ant has to do it. But it's stuff that just kind of comes with changing the culture of an organization, which this coaching staff and front office and players seem to be really adamant about. So you're not going to blow out everyone every night. But for a team that has been, unfortunately, basically awful for its entire existence, changing the culture and having these all of these games basically be a must win and demanding high performance out of your players every single minute of these games it it goes a long way into kind of building uh just obviously the win total for this season but also the culture and expectations down the road let's talk about our friends at prize picks prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america they're the easiest and most exciting way to play dfs it's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players including pros and sharks you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball. Of course, divisional round of the NFL this weekend. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you could pick LeBron James and Travis Kelsey this weekend, 10 and a half point combo of three pointers made or receptions, take more than or less than and watch your winnings roll in. They also offer a reboot policy in case your player gets hurt in the, hurt in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's also talk about our friends at LinkedIn At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time to or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about about how important Nas Reed was to this win. And early in the game, when the Wolves needed a shot in the arm, we kind of mentioned this in passing, um, Nas you know, came through, got the crowd going. Then in the second half, he did a little bit of everything as well. Um, you know, I thought he was pretty good defensively. He had that play where he knocked the ball off, off uh, I forget who it was on the Grizzlies. It might have been Aldama off yep. his leg, out of bounds on the baseline um, and had a, I think he had a, a dunk there late in the fourth quarter, just kind of a well-rounded Nas game. And he'd been a little bit quieter, had some, um, you know, overall been playing 
really well lately as he has all season, but he had a couple of shorter minutes games just with the way the rotations worked out. And I thought he was huge in this game where, you know, cat was, it was a relatively pedestrian cat game all the way around as well. So to see Nas come through and be as productive as he was in just 24 minutes, I thought was, was a great sign. Yeah. And especially early because in that first quarter, no one on this team could make a shot. Um, Anthony Edwards looked non-existent. No one else could get a three to fall. Cat had a couple rim out. Got a couple, I think he picked up two early fouls and then didn't have another one. Um, but after that second one, that's when Nas came in and went four for four, five for five, something like that, and racked up 12 points in the blink of an eye and immediately put the Wolves back in back in the game. And that's what he's done all season for this team, where whether it's Cat that's in foul trouble or not playing well or injured, or Rudy who's in foul trouble or not playing well or injured, um, Nas just kind of keeps stepping up and stepping into those minutes and performing at a really high level. And it's been really nice that some of his off nights have kind of coincided with some of Kat's bigger nights. And, you know, there, I'm sure there's some rhythm and uh, minute um, correlation that goes along with that. But we really haven't seen a whole lot of all three big men completely being out of sync and being out of rhythm in a game. So ha having that flexibility to kind of really rotate and move the roster and rotation to the hot hand has been so incredibly valuable and a big, big, big reason why they've kind of grown the, their lead as the number one team in the West. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, this is more of a, I guess a big picture um, conversation, but th this game got me thinking a little bit about it. There haven't been very many bigs that have, uh, that have really seen sustained success over the course of a game like Jaron Jackson Jr. did in this game against Minnesota. And when you hear people that are, um, you know, more, uh, I don't know, broadly following the league and aren't following the Wolves super closely, it's just like, oh, well, the Wolves are big and, you know, they should be able to beat any team with bigs and they're going to struggle with, team with teams that are smaller. When in reality, I don't know that that's the right way to look at it, right? Like we've seen the Wolves struggle against teams that play small ball at times, like the way that, um, you know, when they played against Dallas last week and and, and lost when Dallas had Kyrie and Luka, uh, we've seen other teams go small and have success. But we've also seen the Wolves punish teams that go small, like the Clippers game the other day. Um, it's like this kind of in-between type of player that, you know, I, I like, for instance, when the Wolves played the Magic, obviously, Ben Carroll had a terrible game that night. But that type of a player who's a, a more versatile big or like a Jaron Jackson Jr. that I would worry about, you know, giving the Wolves trouble there aren't a ton of those in the West that you really worry about, you know, maybe Chet Holmgren, but at this point, like, uh, you know, obviously he's very good, but I don't know that he's the profile of the player that worries me a ton, but in terms of the West, like Jaron Jackson jr. I mean, Zion, I guess fits that profile a little bit. Um, Jokic is obviously a unique cover, but Jaron Jackson's like one of the few guys who's versatile, but also powerful enough to like go at the chest of Rudy and score through him. And then obviously Rudy had his moments too. It just got me thinking like, what teams are there in the West? What kind of matchups are the Wolves potentially going to see um, that, you know, you'd flag and be like, oh man, like Valanciunas is another one I think of who's always given the Wolves trouble, which one of the reasons why the Pelicans matchup is so tough is because of Zion and Valanciunas. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on like players like Jaron Jackson Jr. giving the Wolves issues in the front court? Yeah, and I know just another two, Joel Embiid, you know, who obviously gives yeah, everyone yeah. issues. And then Julius Randle, too, who's, you know, kind of a tier or two below that level of player, but still really good and just goes off for 40 in the, you know, in his sleep yep. against the Wolves. Um, but the I, I think a common theme with all of these guys is that they all kind of 
they're, they're able to put the ball on the floor. They're able to kind of get their shot in all three levels of the floor. Um, and they kind of provide some real interesting mismatch issues. And, you know, we kind of saw tonight with Jaron and Xavier where Kat and Rudy were kind of hesitant or unsure or unconfident in who was supposed to be taking who. And they, their switches weren't as seamless as we typically see um, because Jaron's probably technically the four in that in, in that two-man lineup, but Xavier kind of is as well. He's not, a, you know, a real traditional five. So I, I think when there's some of that kind of lineup and positional ambiguity, it just causes a little bit of hesitation. And then when you don't necessarily have the foot speed that Rudy does, you know, that slight hesitation on a closeout just either creates a bigger window for a three or puts him a step behind um, when the guy attacks his closeout. So I, I think that kind of stuff just creates a little bit of um, confusion. And then, you know, you mentioned a guy like Zion where that positional ambiguity kind of comes up again, because is he a big, is he a wing? Do we want a, you know, a center like Rudy kind of lurking on him or like, sagging off of him and yeah. just trying to overpower him with strength and uh size or do we want length with Jaden? and you know it, again it causes some mis mismatch miscues on that end of the floor but on the similar kind of sense or similar scope wolves give that to a lot of teams as well yeah it's interesting because like it seemed like boston obviously tried to guard carl anthony towns with drew holiday and it worked fairly yeah. well really well in the first game against uh Wolf Celtics in the second game, Cat had a much better performance, and the, and the Celtics do that, you know, to other teams too. They'll try and guard. They occasionally will guard Embiid with Drew Holiday. Like um, they have the personnel to do that, and um, it's it's just one of those things to give star players different looks. And the Wolves, like you said, the Wolves can do that. And it's like, you know, when they guard Jokic, you know, that where they'll they'll be like in this game. I mean, both Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert took turns, you know, trying to guard Jaron Jackson Jr. And neither one of them was super successful early. Yeah. But I think it's more just about showing those different looks, you know, mixing in a little bit of zone. The Wolves did that. I thought that kind of kickstarted them in Detroit in the second quarter when they played a few possessions of zone. Um, it didn't wasn't as effective, I don't think, in this game. And they didn't do it for more than a couple possessions. But um yeah, I mean, I think it's just fascinating to to uh, to think about the different ways. And, and Zion to me presents. I mean, this is this is a whole like, do a whole show on this, but like <laughs> yeah. in terms of playoff matchups, as we start to get closer, like the Pelicans are the scariest one right now, just based on you know how they played the Wolves the last couple of times out, uh, for sure. Um, a couple more things to get to. Um, I, we should talk a little bit about the way Anthony Edwards closed in this game and, and I, I say close really what the third quarter looked like. And, and well, the wolves played the third quarter to a draw with Memphis and third quarter was huge. Um, he obviously had the dunk. Everyone's going to be talking about um, and uh, everyone already is talking about, but he had, you know, it kind of kicked off a, a flurry of scoring and, and uh, you know, it was, you kind of knew it was coming because he had two points at halftime, but it still ended up being a pretty efficient night for Ant. He was only one of six outside the arc but he was 10 of 13 on two point attempts and got to the line for six free throws only had three turnovers. Um, I, I thought, I, I don't know that the shot selection was all too poor. There were, you know, maybe one or two sticky possessions in there, but besides that, I thought this was kind of the rare occasion where he flipped the switch, but actually kind of picked all the right spots. You know, Reggie Miller was talking on the broadcast, even about how Ant was being really unselfish, almost to a fault early in the third quarter. But then it was like as soon as you know he hit a couple of those lobs to Rudy and and a couple of kickout passes for threes, and then all of a sudden it was like you know it was almost like the Grizzlies were were starting to play the pass just a little, just enough, and Ant saw his window and it was like and one, and then it was a tough bucket, and then it was the dunk off the glass. 
Uh, and it was just kind of this avalanche of ant plays late third quarter into the fourth. Yeah, and it, it was just a really measured um, and mature approach from him. And again, just co- the complete opposite of what we saw in the first half. Um, I mean, he wasn't like chucking up bad shots and turning the ball over in the first half. He just wasn't there. Um, and God, was he there in the third quarter. Uh, the the off the backboard self-alley-oop, insane. Um, you know, brought, brought me back to being a kid and watching T-Mac do that in the All-Star game. Uh, but I mean, a couple of possessions before that, uh, they they set up a backdoor lob where Mike Conley threw him a lob from near the target logo um, on the right wing. And I, I was trying to think back and I cannot remember the last time they ran that type of play for Ant. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Just another kind of way to leverage his athleticism, especially when you they run him off of uh, that kind of stagger screen so frequently. And if t- guys are going to start kind of top locking him like that, that backdoor cut's going to be there a lot. So I, I hopefully that's something they look forward to uh, in the future, at least a handful of times. Um, but going back to kind of his approach and his mentality, there was one possession where he basically got triple teamed. He's dribbling down the clock. He's over dribbling and settles for like the step back three over three guys on the left wing, drains it. It's a horrible shot, but it goes in. It's beautiful. It pushes the lead to like eight or something. I was just like, oh God, this is not going to go well. They're just going to keep sending doubles and he's going to start racking up the turnovers here. Next possession down, they kind of blitz him and double him out of the uh, the pick and roll. And Luke Kennard really helps off Jaden in the corner and takes another, just one extra escape dribble, drags the defenders a little bit, opens up that window for Jaden a little more, makes a kick out to him, just and Jaden drains the corner three. Just kind of continues to show how he steadily improves handling these different situations where if teams are going to keep throwing the same looks at him over and over and over again, he's going to figure it out eventually. And he really trusts Jaden uh, making that kick out to him. So I, I, I thought it was a really, really encouraging performance from him in that second half. Let's talk about our friends at game time. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and their best price guarantee game. GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy your tickets in two in seconds with just two taps. GameTime is absolutely obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, a couple more to close it. Um, Mike Conley was obviously huge down the stretch, uh, 17 and 10 in this game, seven of 11 shooting three of six outside the arc, uh, missed a couple of threes. I think it was like uh late first half. And it was just kind of a, you know, like with everybody else, nobody else was in double figures at halftime except for Nas. And then he turned it on late, hit a couple of huge threes, had a couple of nice shots in the paint. Um, the rare game where, I mean, Conley's, I want to say his, his three point rate this year is like like nearly 70% of his shots are coming from outside the arc, which I believe, I believe it's a career high for him. But in this game, he actually shot six threes and he shot five twos. And, and they were all, of course, in the paint. 
Um, just another like well-rounded, perfect role player game for Mike Conley. Again, on a night where, you know, Carl was relatively quiet. Jaden did some stuff early, but then was fairly quiet the rest of the game. Nas did most of his damage in the first half. So late, it was all about Ant, whatever Rudy was able to do, mostly at the free throw line. And then Mike Conley stepping up big and initiating, like you mentioned, the lob pass to Ant. Um, there were a couple of other nice passes. I mean, he had 10 assists, no turnovers in this game too, which is maybe not a surprise, but the 10 to zero assist to turnover ratio is, um, is pretty unreal. Uh, just another huge Mike Conley game. It's just consistency with him. And one, that was one of the biggest issues with this team last year was we had no idea what team we were going to see at tip off. Um, we, we could see a team that looked like they were going to be one of the best in the West or, you know, not even sniff the playoffs and Mike Conley has been the absolute same performer since he came to Minnesota. And it is absolutely incredible. And just a really arguably one of the most important pieces to this team because his, his leadership rubs off on everyone else. He knows how to pick his spots, how to get everyone else going. Um, you know, when the offense kind of bogs down, he picks his spots with that empty corner pick and roll with Rudy perfectly. Um, and he's just so unselfish with the ball, 10 assists, zero turnovers. Um, he, he just knows who's in a rhythm, who's the hot hand, who he needs to get going and how to put them in those spots to try and find the rhythm. So it's just, it's so impressive every night with him. It's the exact same stuff. And, you know, you kind of keep waiting for him to need a full day, a a couple games off or to play less than 25 minutes a night or to have a real stinker. And it just never really comes. Yeah, it, 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 it really is incredible. And, um, you know, we're starting to get to the point now, I think after Saturday's game will be exactly at the midway point in terms of their schedule. And it's like, yeah, I mean, are they are at some point, obviously Conley did rest for that Celtics game last mm-hmm. um, on the second night of the back-to-back on the road. So, but that was the first game all year. The Wolves have actually technically rested anybody. Um, and Rudy missed that game as well with the hip, but yeah, I mean, like, are they going to start to mix in a few, a few of these days here and there, or are they going to try and, you know, not load manage, but just kind of like, be careful with his minutes because obviously you need, uh, I know he said publicly it's the best he's ever felt and all this stuff, but like you need him in the playoffs yeah. and maybe it's, it's whether it's trying to see if shake Milton can initiate some offense here and there to, you know, with this, I, I hate to say it, but softer schedule. I'm always nervous when I say that, but stop <laughs> coming after Saturday. Um, speaking of Saturday, last thing, and then we'll go. Um, the Wolves have the thunder. Obviously they've split the season series to this point. Uh, and, and the game in OKC right after Christmas, I guess that one wasn't, uh, you know, it was technically close to the fourth quarter, but it was not the Wolves finest hour. They gave up 129 points and, you know, a, a regulation game to the Thunder, um, I, you know, like OKC, they've lost a couple games here recently, but, you know, just beat the Kings, I think, tonight and and overall are are still really, really good. Two games coming up in the next two weeks against OKC. They need to get at least a split to try and make sure that there's not a tiebreaker in OKC's hands. Any predictions, thoughts, uh, you know, preview, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on Saturday's game against the Thunder? Yeah, and I, Thunder were, you know, playing just as hot as the Wolves all season. Uh, beat the Jazz tonight by like five or six. Um, Jazz ended up coming back. They're looking really good right now. Uh, but Thunder held on. So it... I'm just fascinated to see how they kind of handle SGA. He's going to get his numbers, but 
can they at least kind of contain him and turn him into like the only scoring output and kind of contain his drives, make life difficult for him. So off ball defenders can kind of stay home because in OKC, they couldn't do that at all. And that's where guys like Dort, um, Jalen Williams, you know, even Giddy, if he gets into a little bit of a rhythm, he can punish you with a couple threes. So if they can kind of at least make life really difficult, specifically in that two-man game and in those isolation drives for SGA, I think the Wolves have a really, really good chance of kind of running away with it or at least holding on to to a solid win like they did the first time in Minnesota. Um, But if SGA starts getting to his spots at will and really forcing those weak side rotations and kind of forcing the defense to scramble, that's where the OKC offense starts looking beautiful and the ball starts skipping and they get whatever shot they want. Um, So if, if we see similar point of attack defense to what we saw tonight and against the Pistons, it could devolve into uh the last matchup against them like we saw in okc but i I, i'm anticipating that they they come out with a a bit a a bit more juice than these last two games yeah i i think in general i I like the matchup against the thunder it's just you know are they going to come out you know ready for that matchup because yes i think if each team plays their a game the wolves should win just based on the way the teams match up and and also the obviously the game being in minnesota should help too so wolves are now 17 and 2 at target center all right that's all we have for you here tonight a big thank you for watching the lockdown wolves postcast of course we go live after each and every game usually over at the lockdown sports minnesota youtube page through a bit of a curveball here today the audio is always available after the fact on the lockdown wolves audio feed wherever you listen to podcasts be sure to subscribe and follow uh, wherever you listen for, to Lockdown Wolves and also subscribe to the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel as well. Uh, again, all audio platforms and YouTube for Lockdown Wolves. A big thank you for watching or listening if you're listening afterwards. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Saturday after the Thunder game, we'll be live on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel as well. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good night.